I'm Damian Willis, and this is The Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News, a podcast in which we attempt to pull back the curtain on our reporting process while diving deeper into some of the biggest stories of the week. This week, we're joined by Patrick Nolan, Executive Director of Friends of the Oregon Mountains Desert Peaks. We'll also be joined by Senator Jeff Steinborn, a Democrat from Las Cruces, as well as Kyla Navarro, Policy and Community Coordinator for Friends of the OMDP. The New Mexico legislative session recently wrapped up and Friends of the Oregon Mountains Desert Peaks celebrated the legislature's decision to fund a feasibility study, which is a step towards establishing a new state park in southern New Mexico. The Broad Canyon Ranch property was acquired by the New Mexico State Parks Division in 2008 to be a destination for outdoor education. It also holds potential as a foraging and nesting habitat for various avian species. Due to budget cuts during the previous administration, the property was never open to the public. Friends of the OMDP hopes to establish Broad Canyon Ranch as a state park for the safe public access to Slot Canyon, north of Las Cruces, and the Rio Grande Corridor. This destination has increased in popularity in the past few years, but sits on the edge of state-owned land and national monument land. Due to this reason, accessing the destination became contentious for trespassing concerns, treading on state land to access federal lands. With funding approved through the junior bill, Senator Steinborn and Representative Nathan Small, a Las Cruces Democrat, were able to allocate money to fund the study. We'll talk about the challenges this could help overcome, how it's a necessary first step to create a state park, what the current situation looks like and how we got here, and what exactly the junior bill is. This week, I'm grateful to have them joining us. Senator Steinborn, Patrick, Kyla, thanks for making time to join us today. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, you're welcome. First, Patrick, I'd be remiss if I didn't congratulate you on your uh, recent appointment to the L- LCPS school board. Oh, thank you. I very much appreciate that. I'm excited and uh, a little overwhelmed, but looking forward to digging in. So let's talk about Broad Canyon Ranch. We should probably start by explaining what the current situation is and how we got here. Does anyone want to take that? Yeah, I can jump in on that. Um, so Broad Canyon Ranch is property sort of north of Radium Springs, um, right across the road uh, from the popular Slot Canyon that m- lots of folks go and visit, uh, in, located in Oregon Mountains Desert Peaks National Monument. And this land was purchased by state parks back in um, 2008 for the purposes of conservation and eventually turning that into a state park. And I think it just sort of never happened, I guess. And I'm not entirely sure why, Um, but that and we've long sort of wrestled with access issues over at Slot Canyon. So we thought this could be a good solution. And what sort of access issues are there now? My understanding is that in order to get there, you have to kind of trespass on, on state land. Is that true? Yes, affirmative, right? So where that gate is that lots of folks um, jump over. Um, so 
part of the feasibility study is answering some of these questions around where that that gate is. Is it is it New Mexico State Land Office? Is it state parks? Because from what I've seen in estimates, as soon as you jump over that fence and take one step, you're on state park land. Right. So there's some things that we're going to need to figure out, but it's we want to really make sure that folks aren't having to jump a gate to access their public lands. Uh, yeah, I was just going to add like that part of our national monument is pretty difficult to access because of private land owners um, kind of barring people from trying to access the Robledos or the Sierra de las Uvas. And this is this being adjacent to state land and it being owned by state parks is like the perfect um solution to addressing this access issue to one part of the national monument. Excellent. For people who might not have been to Slot Canyon, Patrick, can you describe why it's such a popular attraction for hikers? Um, yeah, we'll do. Um, well, one, we love to do it. We like to take our, our little ones there. It's a really easy hike um, from the gate to the actual canyon maybe a 25 minute hike. And then you're in this amazing sort of Canyon that shoots up 20 to 30 feet. Um, you're surrounded by these walls. Uh, there's bird nests in there. It's just, it's a really cool atmosphere. Great in the summer provides some nice, cool shade. Um, and then once you get through that Canyon, right, you're, you're seeing a side of the Robledos that folks don't often see. You can hike, hike onto a plateau that is, um, you know, maybe another 20 minute hike up great views of the Mesilla Valley. It's a really special place and you'll see it on Instagram uh, very frequently. And I think it really, the pandemic with folks getting outside more, we really saw a lot of people going to Slot Canyon. And if I can, if I can add, uh, it is spectacular and it's so cool. And it's something that uh, people wouldn't expect in Doniana County necessarily that is an international monument. People also need to be careful uh, if there's a lot of raining to avoid slot canyon because it is in a narrow slot um, that water can rise very rapidly so i want to spread the word that uh you know you got to be careful when you go in there and make sure you're going there on a good sunny day and 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 not when it's raining or if it's if it's going to be raining a lot jeff do you want to explain what this feasibility study does and why it's important so the feasibility study directs the state parks department to look at the feasibility of turning this property into a state park. And uh, even though, as Patrick said, it's owned by the state land, the state parks, part of it doesn't mean that it, it does, it's not actually a state park. So a state park is a, is what we know a state park to be. You, you give them funding and they, it's a destination that welcomes people and markets itself as such. And, uh, and it's something that, uh, you know, has staff for it. Now it's just a piece of property owned by them. So, so this directs the state parks to actually look at its feasibility as a state park by law in order to create a state park, we're required as a state to do a feasibility study as a first step. And so that's what this is. This is that very important step of, of looking at that and also in the process, hoping to maybe, you know, move the ball forward on figuring out some of these access issues and solutions for moving forward. So that's what it does. And, and what we did in Santa Fe was we passed uh, what's called a memorial through the Senate to ask state parks to do this. And then we got funding in the budget to, to actually do the study. Can someone 
explain to me what are the features of Broad Canyon Ranch that itself would be a nice destination or location for a state park? Um, I can jump in on that. Um, yes, beyond the access issues, this property in and of itself is, well, one, it's river access, right? Um, we as a community are lacking in river access here. Um, so really making sure that community has access to this uh, amazing natural resource, I think is really important. It provides habitat for uh, habitat and native grassland areas. It's just, it's a really sort of beautiful sort of Chihuahuan desert wetland property that we don't have a lot of, and we really need to make sure that those places are managed and protected. And I think the feasibility study will help us get to that point and answer some of those management questions that Jeff was talking about. And I wanted to add that um, our Rio Grande looks different from that of the Rio Grande in northern New Mexico. And this, honestly, I only saw like a little piece of it. And it's reminded me a little bit of um, the Bosque State Park in Albuquerque with the trees. And yeah, I I grew up in Las Cruces and wasn't aware that wetland areas for rivers is is very good for um, our rivers. and just an opportunity to try and restore a little piece of that, I think is a great idea. It's also so critical to maintain that, particularly for migratory birds, for example. Yes. Um, and Beth Bardwell, um, she sort of helped guide our, our efforts around some of this. And she's sort of the bird expert and talked a lot about that. But that is certainly an important aspect of this, too, as well. And it's funny that Kyla mentions the Rio Grande up north because I just I did a cleanup. I was up there for a weekend and I was amazed by the the sort of the restoration and the work that went up there. And I think we should try and bring some of that model down here to the southern part of the state because I think that's important. Absolutely. How much will the feasibility study cost? Um, it, it'll probably end up costing between fifty and seventy five thousand dollars. What are some of the the biggest challenges that need to be addressed? Well. I think, you know, from a feasibility standpoint, they're going to be looking at the viability as a state park. Um, is it is it something that's likely to draw enough attendance that's visitation that's worth the effort, worth the expense? Does it have access? What kinds of other infrastructure might be desirable or undesirable? Um, so kind of kind of a cost-benefit analysis, I guess you could say. And, uh, but, you know, I think the main thing is is to look at its viability as a state park and being worthy and being worthy of that and worthy of having not only the attendance possibility, but having the attributes worthy of a destination, of, of a nat- nature-based destination like that. So we obviously believe all these things are, the answer is yes. And it'd be big for us. And uh, so it's, you know, we're, we're fighting for it and going to be pushing for it. But, uh, but, you know, the state parks will obviously do a deeper dive. Sure. Patrick, do you want to speak to some of the logistics around there? I know the Department of Transportation, for example, is concerned because right now to access Slot Canyon, Basically, you have to park on the side of the highway, and sometimes you could have 10 or 15 cars parked out there on the side of the road. 
Yes, um, I've seen way more, and that's a good question. Um, and before I get into this, I will. So the state parks also wants to look at sort of resources to how to manage this area too, right? And so the feasibility study, will, like how do you staff these places? That's an important question um, that the feasibility study will help us get to. Um, and this is this this particular area is really um, kind of a case study in sort of land management agencies, right? We have in that sort of you know five thousand acres, we have the Bureau of Land Management. We have state parks, uh, we have the New Mexico State Land Office, and then we have the Department of Transportation, all with a management directive and management say in this area of land. In particular, the Department of Transportation, when they're saying to us, it is unsafe for people to park here, this is not good, we can't keep allowing this to happen. That was really sort of the impetus to really start start looking, okay, we can't just cut off access, right? We got to figure out an elegant solution here. Um, and Department of Transportation, state parks have been really great to work with, really transparent, really open, and really honest with us. And I've really appreciated that um, aspect of this project. Um, and DOT says, you know, look, we got to figure this out. Um, we don't want to start putting signs up that say no parking, or kicking cars out or ticketing cars out. And we certainly don't want to see that either. Um, so, yes, all that to say, there's a lot of issues that we're going to need to answer. Um, and that's really the point of this feasibility study is to help us get to the deeper dive of this issue. Jeff, when we were talking earlier in the week, uh, we mentioned this will be funded by the junior bill. Can you take a few minutes and explain to our listeners what that means? If they're, yeah. if they're not, uh, you know, constant state house watchers. Yeah, you bet. So when we, Talk with Patrick about doing this feasibility study, and Patrick encouraged us to to do this. We were looking at how to get it funded, and we, you know, looking at our options. Ultimately, New Mexico is kind of unique in that it gives its legislators a little bit of discretionary money, a little bit of funding that we get to actually decide where to allocate. And it kind of falls in two buckets. The well-known bucket is what's called capital outlay. And this is if New Mexico has a budget surplus because we have a balanced budget requirement, then we'll we'll agree on a little amount that we get it appropriate. So one bucket's for physical infrastructure, which is just bricks and mortar, you know, physical infrastructure, which is what capital outlay can only be used for. But then you have this other bucket that only comes along during really high revenue times like we're now called the junior budget. A junior appropriations budget, which is more for operations and staff work. And so generally they don't like to do feasibility studies out of capital outlay. They prefer it in like a junior budget. And so that's the route that we went. And, um, you know, ultimately the governor on every item has line item veto authority. And thankfully, you know, she did not veto this item. And, and so there it is it's in the budget. It's, it's authorized in law for them to spend this money. And, and again, the memorial passed as well, directing them to do it, which is also a kind of a suggestion. It's not a mandate in law memorial, but uh, you know, we've, we've worked with the state parks director and I think have a, have a good, you know, handshake agreement that it's going to be done. And so we now we'll need to just keep working with them. Can someone kind of, lay out the next steps in this process if we're ever going to see a broad canyon ranch state park 
Um, yeah, Kyla's sort of leading those efforts. Kyla, you want to hit on that? Yeah, I honestly, from how we started this, we assume because that um, the state parks department already owned the property that, you know, they can dress make a state park, but that's really not the case. Um, and we, um, Patrick mentioned Beth Bardwell was helping out on this and gathering some folks to just raise awareness on what the state park could be. And um, from my understanding is that after the feasibility study, we do have to um, pass legislation to make this a state park and with support of local communities, as well as, um, you know, we've been talking about how popular Sock Canyon is. So we are no doubt um, going to get support from people in the area um, for this future bill. And right now, my, I guess, next steps in my head is just as we take people to Salt Canyon, because, you know, as Patrick mentioned, it's a very easy hike and it's very attractive to people. A lot of the folks that I know who don't really go outside also know Salt Canyon um, because it's that kind of destination and just speaking to them about improving accessibility issues. So when the time comes for um, after the feasibility study and um, for this legislation, they'll be um, willing to reach out to their legislators about this. Yeah, it's it's going to take, um, as Kyle was saying, a legislative effort and a push. And government, unfortunately, can move slower than we'd all like sometimes. So now we've got to kind of move along this feasibility study. But then um, if everything kind of comes together in a positive way, as we would hope, um, and they do a good job on the feasibility study, then, you know, we will need to, uh, you know, fight for appropriations for this and build support for the idea. And sometimes, you know, government itself, even when you have a good idea, you may find someone on the other side of the table resistant to that idea, uh, even sometimes inexplicably, like it seems so obvious. <laughs> and it's certainly important to us in Donana County, where, you know, we really value the outdoor economy. But so it's just, you know, you, we have to manage all those other aspects of it in Santa Fe and the bureaucracies. And so, um, you know, that would definitely be a next step. To be clear, that couldn't happen next year, right? In the 30 day session. It could, it absolutely could. Um, although, you know, they'd have to get the feasibility study done by then. And generally speaking, you know, they don't have the money until the new fiscal year. So that's July 1st. Then typically what they'll do is they'll let a contract and then they go out to bid through their procurement process. And that can take up to 90 days or 120 days. So you're you're already up against the session by the time someone even gets a contract to start the work. So so realistically, it's probably not going to happen that fast, you know, and uh Probably we should all expect that it's not going to happen that fast, but it could. We, we, you know, we like things to move along quickly. I'm, I'm eternally hopeful, but probably not going to happen that fast. So probably we'd be talking about the next 60 day session in 2025. Yeah, but I'll private citizens. We, uh, we operate at a different pace than our, our government partners, but um, yeah, I do. We have reached out to state parks and said, Hey, you know, what are the next steps? 
How do we make sure that this happens? Um, and yeah, like Jeff said, with the fiscal year starting, that's when that money comes in um, and they can start that process, right? And I, we don't know how long that feasibility study is gonna take, right? Cause we're sort of just digging in and figuring out what are the questions we have, right? We don't necessarily even know all the questions, right? Um, so a lot of it will depend on how expedient that a feasibility study will be. Um, and I, they just wrapped up one for Mount Cristo Ray, I believe. And I think Jeff, you also helped uh, with that one yeah. too. Um, yeah, we did, and that and that took years, and yeah. literally the, the I mean years tracked on and on, and so. Well, we oh, let's not replicate that yes that timeline here if at all possible. But that's where we're lucky to have the friends here, really involved as a key partner working with state parks, so we can hopefully move that along. And what would the state park mean for the community and outdoor recreation in New Mexico? Um, I'll hit on sort of what it will mean, Jeff. You want like the outdoor rec piece? Um, I mean, this will I think this can be a crown jewel of the state parks. This is a really special property um, that I, we would use it as an uh, like an education base to talk about restoration and native grasslands and protection of these resources. This could really be, I think, um, a really special place. And I think the potential is really high. And so we're excited to see this process happen. Um, yeah, I, I, I envision families spending some time out there and, fishing by the river and uh, learning about some of the, the native species and all the really fascinating sort of desert wetland uh, restoration work that we can do. I think, it, I think it's going to be really great uh, should this all come together. Yeah. I would just add people, people love state parks and they're, they're great attractants or great amenities in an outdoor economy, which Dungana County, I mean, it's just another you know, another pearl in our necklace of uh, pearl necklace of incredible outdoor outdoor assets we have in the county, from the Oregon Mountain Desert Peaks National Monument to the uh, the Bosque State Park, um, and uh, you know, and then you've got communities all along the river who are looking at creating um, campgrounds and stuff because of the planned Rio Grande Trail, which you know. We're trying to keep moving forward, and uh, the county is definitely behind having that trail go. I mean, it would go through all of Doniana County and, of course, the whole state along the Rio Grande. So to have another incredible state park there along the Rio Grande and one of the most beautiful, beautiful, scenic, and ecologically rich parts of the Rio Grande and Doniana County would just be awesome. We've got outfitters that are doing, you know, renting rafting trips, and so just be really great addition to everything we're doing. And of course, when it comes to land protection, it's a great accomplishment. Anytime you can preserve ecological, ecological areas before they're developed. And, and that's where we have an opportunity. We all have an opportunity right now to get this right and to protect this place. Kyla, is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, just a very small addition, I would say, um, about going back to accessibility. You understand that going to Salt Canyon, you have to hop over a fence. It's not very tall. It's very easy. It's like a little ladder. But understanding that Doniana as a community is a community of migrants and what it means for people to cross over fences just to access something is 
like we want we want to remove that even though it's a very easy barrier we don't want people to um feel like they're breaking any rules because um you you are crossing state land and you're not supposed to do that but not that um we're not that we've seen people try to enforce that it's just yeah we we want people to feel like it is their public lands and Speaking of accessibility, even accessing the river itself is difficult uh, north of north of Las Cruces. If if you want to go rafting or tubing or something, and it, it's it can be tricky to find a place to put in. Uh, yeah, it's very tricky. Um, and I don't. I think I'm trying. I think last summer the sh- uh, county sheriff was out ticketing folks that were parked near the river. Um, and I don't know, I think we need to find a better way to sort of manage, um, access to the Rio Grande, right? Um, this is an important place for so many in our community and ticketing folks for trying to enjoy this natural resource doesn't seem like a fair solution to me. Um, and maybe access, figuring out sort of managing access points and increasing access points that makes sense to me. Um, and I think that's why this project is really important too. Yeah, let me just add, you know, it's, it's really, it's really interesting, you know, how the, the Rio Grande is managed in southern New Mexico is very different from how this river is managed, like in northern New Mexico, or even the middle Rio Grande. And what Patrick just said is really important. And it's something that conservationists have been working on for a very long time, like Kevin Bixby. It's that southern New Mexico water is not, you know, legally speaking, it is a water delivery channel to meet our compact obligations. And it's literally managed as the, quote, canalization project is the name of the actual project for the U.S. International Boundary and Water Commission. And so it was straightened, its banks were mowed, and it really was not treated for conservation or recreation purposes. So so ever since then, you know, from a conservation standpoint, restoring and protecting native um, um um, you know, plants and and increasing bosques and you know habitat and recreation. These are this is kind of a it is a really important goal for us in our stretch of the river. And these kinds of projects really help in that because they showcase that hey, this is also an ecosystem. This is also part of an outdoor economy. It's not just about a compact for water delivery and. Uh, and we need more of these kinds of initiatives from the government to support that. Is there anything you'd like to add that we haven't talked about today? Anyone? Um, I'll add a like, so there's been some restoration work on this project. Um, a while ago, they removed a bunch of salt cedar. Um, this was money available through uh, fish and wildlife services, I believe. Um and so they really did a lot of restoration work, but in the time since it's not being managed and sort of managed as a uh, a really unique ecological area, some of that salt cedar is coming back, right? And so that we have an, uh, a real, there's some urgency here, right? We need to get back in there and start doing the, rest, the restoration work that this land needs. Kyla, anything you'd like to add that we haven't talked about? Um, nothing's coming to mind. Jeff? Uh, sorry, no, I think we covered all, all the really important parts of this. 
Thanks. I will, sorry, I will add, I want to just thank Jeff uh, and Nathan. Well, Senator Steinborn and Representative Nathan, they really helped guide us. We didn't know how to do this process, right? We were sort of new to how to do this and um, both of their guidance and help on this has been really instrumental. Um, so I just wanted to thank them. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you all for your time today. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Damien. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Reporter's Notebook. We also have a newsletter sharing reporter stories about, well, about how we report stories. You can find all of our reporting in the Las Cruces Sun News. A special thanks goes out to Senator Jeff Steinborn, Patrick Nolan, and Kyla Navarro for joining us this week. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and many of the places you find your favorite podcasts. This has been the Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News. I'm your host, Damian Willis. This week's podcast was written and produced by me. You can find all our local reporting brought to you daily by reporters who live and work in Las Cruces at www.lcsun-news.com. For all of us at the Sun News, thank you for the privilege of your time.